would like to present Not Seen Before. I think you want you want everybody to smoke weed. Hey, this is Voice Gracie, and you're listening to the Inside BJJ Podcast. It was a shroom trip. That's racist. I'm not a racist. That's racist. I'm not a racist. This is Kurt O'Chan, and this is Inside BJJ Podcast. God damn it! Jiu-Jitsu sucks. God damn it! I think you want you want everybody to smoke weed. This is so good. This is and you're listening to the Inside DJJ Podcast. Welcome to the world infamous Inside BJJ Podcast. I'd like to thank you and remind you to give us a subscribe and a listen on iTunes, Spotify. Whatever the goddamn chosen platform is now, because it changes all the time, make sure you hit us up on that. And I promise you, if you leave me a really mean negative review, I swear I'll read it online. They're my absolute favorite reviews to read. All right, here we go. Obviously, the world is a really crazy place right now, and it's been that way for the last five weeks. I would like to welcome to the show one of our good friends of the show, and uh, he's coming back again, and I'm stoked because despite how crazy the world is, this man is going to grapple for my entertainment, and I'm super happy about that. We like to welcome the one and only Tom Galicio to the Inside BJJ Podcast. What's good, brother? Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me. Um, I'm not going to grapple for your entertainment yet. Uh, <laughs> up for that submission underground so it's hard to get on yeah yeah pardon me i said it's the only show in town it's fucking crazy right uh you know it's uh the last one that they had it was really interesting to watch just you know the format but i realized watching it like man i really miss watching grappling and fights, to be honest with you. I miss all of it on TV. I'm just stuck going back and watching shit from the past, man. I want to watch some new stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, we got the UFC this weekend. That's going to be great. Yeah, man. I think that'll be dope. We got... Uh uh, Tony finally getting his shot. I feel like uh, <laughs> I feel like Tony is the unluckiest fighter in the history of fights. Right? This is a guy that every time he gets right up to get the championship fight, he's wearing sunglasses inside and he messes up his leg or something happens or a virus from China comes in and wipes everything out. It's like, how does this guy stay positive? He's got to be really hungry. How do you think that fight goes down against uh, uh, Justin Gaethje? I, I think Tony takes it. He's been, uh, he's just been, uh, unstoppable lately. Um, and we got to see him versus Khabib. So I, it, it, you, I like Gaethje, but we, I still want that matchup, Tony and Khabib. If Gaethje wins, then, then we don't have that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, right. And it's, and it's kind of a risk for, um, for Tony to go through that. But at the same time, Tony's a fighter, dude, right? Tony wants to get out there. He wants to fight, and, and he's not going to be denied. I think he's going to fight anyone they put in front of him. But uh, it's certainly a risk, man. As a fighter, do you do you take that shot just because no one's fucking fighting, right? I mean, all eyes are going to be on you at least, I guess. Well, Frankie Edgar did it with uh, 
uh, Brian Ortega, and you saw what happened to him. Yeah, he was on a good hot streak too. And after he lost to Ortega, you know, everybody just started uh, saying, "Oh, he's washed up. He's washed up." Yeah, that's so, that's true. It's it's that's, a huge risk, man. But but yeah, it really. Is. So you got to weigh it out. But I, I these guys got to get paid too. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think also there is a certain amount of, um, you know, publicity factor that you're going to get as long as you, you know, you don't have a terrible performance just because no, there's no fights. You're literally going to be like the first fight in a long time. And a lot of people are going to tune into that fight. So you kind of, you kind of can cash in on that. I think if you play it right. Oh, big time. I mean, there's the, the submission underground getting crazy views because it's the only live sport. There's no hockey. There's no football. The UFC is probably going to have record numbers and not have Conor McGregor on the card. I, right. I know. Right. Conor's probably pissed. <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, you I know, think the fight island in Ireland. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, hey, Tom, what's what's the word, man? So are you trying to get on the SUG card? You want to get out there and grapple? You're looking for fights? What's going on? What's your status? Well, I always look for a fight if the price is right, but I kind of step back. I'm more uh, coaching these days. Um, I've, I took over the jiu-jitsu program at Team Quest. Me and Joe Stevenson run it. Nice. I do the adult. And he does the kids, and he does some some adult classes. But yeah, been doing that, been doing combat jujitsu in between, which is fantastic. But it's you know it's not the same. And uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, grappling tournaments, just signing up and doing them. And I feel like I'm chasing a dragon from fighting. Yeah, it's I, I imagine um, going from you know, a, a, a real MMA fight to a grappling match or even a combat jujitsu style match. I, I would think the adrenaline level and just all of it is kind of down a notch, right? It, it would seem like it would be a little bit of a step down in terms of uh, the excitement or the rush that you're, you're getting out of it. It's also a different sport. So, uh, uh, something I want to point out and like to talk about is how Bra- Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu changed over the years. Back in the day when Hoyt Gracie first introduced it, it was all about self-defense and covering the distance and getting the guy down and submitting him. And then when they started to uh, when it started to evolve, you know, you had to put in the wrestling because you could get punched in the face. And I feel like a lot of the sport Jiu-Jitsu up wouldn't be as good effective in a real fight you put yourself in some bad position but you're able to win the the match because of yeah you know uh one of the things we've been doing because you know all of our jujitsu classes are on hold right now so like i have a jujitsu academy in stockton here 10th planet stockton what's up but uh we do the uh you know, we're doing a lot of Zoom sessions, you know what I mean? And one of the things we do is we've been just analyzing fights, just like watching jujitsu matches, watching MMA fights. And there, you know, when you start doing that regularly, and I purposely pick pick like some of the older jujitsu matches from like the ones that they have footage of from the 70s and 80s and 90s, and then I'll put some modern jujitsu with it. And like the style 
is so drastically different now than what it was then. It doesn't really look like combat now. It looks like something different. Whereas the older ones, they it looked like combat. It looked more like a fight. Big time. And there are guys who are doing it, like uh, Wagner Rocha, uh, uh, Lucas Lepre. They're guys who are still kind of have that that combat-y style um, that, that still implement the game. But you're seeing a lot of guys without that combat style now taking over. Except at the top, I think uh, the, the guys over at Henzo Gracie's are doing a good job of still keeping it combat-oriented. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and, and then another observation that, you know, I've kind of come to from watching these these matches online, you know, and really focusing on them is that the format really drives kind of what the style of jujitsu or grappling is that you're going to see. So what I mean by that is like when we're watching really, and this is not rocket science, right? When you're watching a point style tournament, it's very, very much sporty. You know, it's like the sportiest of all the sporty stuff. And then as you get more towards like sub only and then combat jujitsu, it gets closer to like fighting and more of like the old school jujitsu style that you're talking about. Well, except ADCC, I think that's uh, <laughs> kind of a lot more like, re- like wrestling match for you. Yeah. Yeah. You're not really allowed to pull guard point start halfway through. I mean, you could do it in the beginning and, and, and a lot of the good, you know, you'll see the, a lot of sub only guys get knocked out, Matt, and you'll just see, you know, a lot of good wrestlers being able to take over with just fundamentals and pointing to kind of an older style. Yeah. And ADCC's kind of always been that way. You know, I feel like it's always kind of leaned a little towards the guys that have good wrestling experience. Even though there's been a lot of good pure jiu-jitsu guys have won. Yeah. Uh, you see a lot of wrestlers do really well in ADCC. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and especially at the bigger guys, because you could get a an All-American college wrestler, D1, who's 205. He's going to be a monster. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to be you know? really hard to stop you from taking him down, too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you you give him six months of jujitsu. You see these credible big guy athletes. You give them six months of jujitsu, they pick it up like that. They're giving this instructor trouble. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, we have a perfect example of that in in Nick Rodriguez, right? He's he doesn't have tons of jujitsu behind him, but he has some decent college wrestling. And I don't even know, like my my college wrestling knowledge isn't very high. I don't, but I. I want to say that Rodriguez wasn't really a highly touted college wrestler either, right? He was just, you know, decent. I but think he was a full-time All-American, so that's pretty, that's pretty good thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. You- so, man, talk to me a little bit. Uh, did you watch the last SUG, and then what were your thoughts on it? I'm, I'm curious. I didn't catch it. I, I don't got flow grapple it or the internet. <laughs> Times are tough here at the Galicia Ranch. I got to do this just uh, through the cell phone tower. Dang, nice man. Well, you know, I so I've got Netflix or anything either. Dang, dude, you're really you're like uh, you're on the grid, but you're not. You know, <laughs> we got a pile of DVDs in my garage. Uh, my roommate's mom won a storage auction full of like an old blockbuster. <laughs> that's what's keeping so you guys entertained 
movies from 2014 and before. Wow. Wow. That's insane, <laughs> dude. That's funny though. <laughs> I could see a crazy Tom, like just with cabin fever from staying in the house all day, watching Forrest Gump over and over and over, you know, <laughs> I just saw the math. That was a great movie. Oh yeah. Underrated. Totally. Right. I mean, that's when Jim Carrey was really good. <laughs> Really good. It's a phenomenal movie. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, th- m- my thoughts on SUG w- was, one, it, it's it's a little different, and I felt this way super watching WrestleMania this year. It's really odd without an audience or even a coach. Just, like, silent grappling is kind of weird. Like, it's different, and I think if you're you know, really into jujitsu and grappling, it's, it's not bad because you understand what's going on and you don't really need that extra stuff, but it is a little quiet, you know, it's like, wow, it's eerily quiet. And, uh, the other thing that kind of struck me was that not all the guys really seemed like they were super in shape and super on time, like with their timing, you could tell that the training's like not quite as, is consistent and as, uh, normal as it used to be, I think. Oh, oh, absolutely. So I, I've been training, uh, pretty much twice a day, uh, cause we got our guy, Sam Alvey fighting. So I, I have to step up and, and be his training partner through this whole thing. He's fighting. He's the first fight on the card next week. Beautiful. This weekend. This weekend, yeah. Yes, yeah, Saturday. We're, so we're super excited. So, yeah, I, I've been trying to get him. Uh, me and him are, want to get do that tag team match. Me and Sam want to do on the Submission Underground. But I was actually uh, up. Did I lose you? No, no, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I just, I just pulled something up to look at the fight card. You there, Tom? And we also, yeah, 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 yeah. And we also uh, actually we reached out to Carlos Condit, and and he said he would be interested in doing in the match in the submission underground. Oh, nice man. So, uh, what's the deal then? You just need to get in touch with Chael, or what? I gotta get (laughs) the matchmaker. Who's the matchmaker? I'm sorry, my guy already did all the work. Heather. Heather. Oh, Heather. Uh, yeah. Forget her last name. I haven't met her personally. I've met Chell tons of times. He's a great guy. Yeah, no, Chell's Chell's outstanding. Chell's been on the show a couple times. Yeah, he's probably one of the coolest fighters I've ever met. Real down to earth, real good guy. Yeah, and he he has a uh, very good, you know. Um, just, I, I just feel like he has a good head on his shoulders when you talk to him. Like he gets what you're doing. Obviously, he's a promoter and he's pushing, but he's also a really hard worker and he delivers. He doesn't just like, uh, you know, talk a big game and then not have anything to back it up. Like Chell, Chell delivers, and and I can't imagine, you know, the pressure that he's probably under trying to keep SUG running and keep it out there, and then all this crazy shit happens and people are kind of trying to figure out what they're going to do. And I got mad respect for chill. Like he's going to do a second show already in this environment where most promotions just shut down. They're like, yeah, I don't know when we're coming back. You know, he's on his second show, man. Oh yeah, I know. He's, but and I bet you it's not super stressful for him. I bet you he figures out those moves real quick and, and just makes it happen. He, you know, everybody probably knows him in his area. 
and he, he's probably just well endowed in the community and he could go uh he could make things happen yeah he, he he's uh he's a he's a good dude in in that respect so yeah, I mean, so tag team jujitsu is a is interesting, right? It's quite, it's a little different, you know. It's a little little tricky, right? The, there's not a lot of tag team jujitsu matches to go back and reference, like if you're getting ready for one, you know. Um, but but why tag team? What's what's so interesting to you about doing tag team jujitsu? Well, I, I got two good uh, grapplers at my gym. I got Tarek Safadian, uh, still in UFC of. Last strike force champ. He's a phenomenal grappler. Another welterweight. I said we would make a good tag team. Uh, team and uh, and I got big smiling Sam who loves wrestling and tag team and uh, yeah, he's the perfect candidate. He's like, I want in. Let's let's get on it. <laughs> nice. Uh, what's the uh, you know? How do you how do you <laughs> beyond just showing up and doing it like how do you practice for tag team jiu-jitsu like well, well you gotta get gotta get another team to go against right we yeah we actually did uh we did like a practice tournament at my gym nice uh, sam and the rest of the pros we and then we ended up we ended up taking second <laughs> <laughs> wait so, you threw the tournament at your own gym and you took <laughs> you took second <laughs> yeah yeah, we we should have we should have won. Sam got got in the corner, and then they just jumped him. Ah, the <laughs> they cheated. So basically, they cheated. <laughs> no, you get like ten seconds to jump the person. Apparently, that's insane. That's that's like uh, I like how combat jujitsu tries to straddle the line between MMA and jujitsu. But tag team jujitsu straddles the line between pro wrestling and jujitsu, which for me is a much funner line to straddle, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it has every reason to be entertaining. And it, that's what's awesome about the show. It just, you know, they're all about making a good show. Yeah, man, I would, I would love to see you and Sam Alvey as a, as a tag team uh, partner. I think that, I think that'd be fucking fascinating to watch, to be honest with you. How, how is his uh, training camp going for, for UFC 249? He's taking on Ryan Spann, right? Coming up on the, on the prelims and, and how, how's that going with his preparation? Uh, and how is it kind of like training in this kind of environment right now? Well, it's uh this is his third camp. He was supposed to fight on uh, one at the Apex, and it did, so he's been in camp for like four, five months because they keep pushing it back. He was originally supposed to fight Khalil Roundtree, I think, like five months ago, and then six months ago, and then uh, that got canceled or pushed. It got pushed, then it got canceled, then they offered him a fight with Ryan's band. That got pushed, and now uh, we're here. So, but it's been, uh, like, we're still running our pro practice. So we're still doing that. Um, but, uh, like, at night, it, he goes and hits mitts, and then I'll have a, a group of grapplers in there to work with him. Nice. Nice. So that's kind of consistent training. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I imagine, you know, uh, Sam's, this is not his first fight. So he knows, you know, he kind of knows what the game is. He knows what he's getting into. It'd be kind of different if it was your very first fight, you know, and you're like, yeah, I've never done this before. And you're kind of trying to get through it, but, but he's a pro. So I imagine he won't have any, any problems in terms of, of getting ready. This card in general's it's pretty damn stacked. Like just on the, pre, yeah. just on the prelims, you have, 
uh, Jacques Array, uh, Uriah Hall, the Karate Hottie, Fabricio, Cerrone, Pettis. These are prelim. These are prelim names, man. Like <laughs> that never happens, right? That's, that's not even the main card. How pumped are you for this event? Oh man, this is it's finally here. It really is. It, it's uh, it's good we have live sports guests. And uh, I guarantee it's going to sell out. I mean, there's so you know what the best part: all the matches are close. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're all right there. They're all coin tosses. What do you? Uh, the one I'm really interested on in the prelim is Pettis and Cerrone. Like these are two guys that are very good fighters, and uh, you know Pettis is. Uh, He's one of those guys where you're like, damn, dude, he shows flashes. And at times he's like super high level elite. And then sometimes he gets whooped and you're like, what? And Cerrone's one of these dudes who you feel like can beat anybody on any given day, you know? So these guys go out there. How do you see that match kind of breaking down? That's such a coin flip too. Cause it's, it's uh, they both overperform and underperform. Right. So yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, I mean, Cowboys probably got a little juice in them, just losing to Connor, and probably like, oh, I got to make up for that performance. I mean, but Pettis has had some bad ones too, and and not bad ones like where he uh, he had a poor performance, but it just uh, just wasn't as nice. Yeah, no, for sure, right? And and that's that's a really uh, good way to put it. Actually, when you think about Pettis and you think about uh, Cerrone, they've both have overperformed and 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 underperformed at times. Where you're like, damn, like you know, when Pettis lost to say Nate Diaz, it it wasn't a a, a huge shock. Or when when he lost to Tony Ferguson, like he broke his hand or or whatever. But you know, his last his last loss against Diego uh, Fijera, I I did not see that coming. Like, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I thought that uh, Pettis was going to win that fight. I was really surprised he lost that fight. And I also thought Cerrone was going to be way more in the Conor McGregor fight, right? <laughs> that looked like my older son whooping on his 13-year-old <laughs> little brother, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it, you know what? Uh, Conor... Uh, takes his time off. He doesn't take punishment. Like he takes his punishment. He takes his six months off. Like again, um, he's got everything at his disposal too. There's not a coach that won't work with him. There's not a thing he can't buy that's to make him a better fighter. Um, he's talented too, but he's got now everything. Maybe at one time it wasn't, but now everything's in his face. Do Do you? I mean. It's this is like the Rocky story, right? The guy that he comes up and he's got nothing and he's training with crap and he's just like making it happen. And then he's super rich and he's wearing the fancy suits and he's he's like got the high tech training center, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, how much of that helps you? Right. And I'm sure at a certain level of it does, especially the access, like all the coaches want to work with you. You know, everybody wants to sponsor you. Like the money thing kind of maybe isn't, you're not worried about, you know, making money. You're more worried about who's taking your money. Like how does the stress change when you get to that level? Cause I see a lot of guys where it's like, man, it feels like they don't want to be champion anymore. They're like, fuck, this is a hard, hard road to, 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 to handle, man. It's important to stay grounded, which is a really hard to do. 
Um, yeah, they're, uh, I can only imagine what a UFC champion has to do. But another thing is, uh, just keeping up with the social media presence. It's almost like that's a, that's a new part of the job and that, and I'm more of a private person. And that was something I've lacked to do, and and it ends up biting you in the ass at the end. But also, you know, at the end of the day, you don't want to put all your business out there. So I can see how a lot of guys. (laughs) Right. That's also another, that's something else, more stress. And some guys like it. Yeah, yeah. I almost feel like like, uh, it's better if you're a little dumb in the sense that, like, you don't care about putting your business out there. You're like, I don't even care, you know, (laughs) because when you are kind of private, you know, what happens is you put something out there and then right before you fall asleep at night, all those thoughts are going through your head and you're like, why yep. did I say that? I should go delete that. Or what if this person sees that? Or wow, what was I thinking? Like, it's, it's a little tricky, man. I could, I could see where, where you would feel that way. Kind of like, fuck dude, like, you know, I want to make a living, but I also don't want my whole goddamn life on Instagram, you know? <laughs> yeah. Big time. You hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a hard thing I think for guys to deal with, but it's it's the new reality, right? And and we've seen how many fights have we seen shape up over social media, where one guy tweets, another guy tweets, and then Dana White comes out and goes, "Absolutely not, these guys will not fight." And then everyone's like, "We want them to fight." And then four weeks later, it's like they're fighting. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's a game yeah, now. You right. know, you know what? Like, I don't think Matthew is too big on uh, social media and he was able to uh, get really, really popular without it. Yeah. Um, the I don't think it's as big into it. You know, they're pretty uh, like tr- Twitter trash talk. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... They're, uh, the Asian cultures, the Asian culture is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, um, I definitely see where it could be a, a a little bit of a struggle or a little bit just it's just a different approach. And it's and it's weird with fighting because you know, talking about being UFC champion like if you are the table tennis champion, like that's cool, you're table tennis champion, you're the best even, you know, if you're a great baseball player or whatever, but you're still playing a game. You're like, yeah, I could slam this basketball in this round cylinder, motherfucker. But then, you know, you could be like, I could beat your ass. I'm the champion at ass beating. It's hard to like, how could you not have a gigantic ego when you're getting paid a shitload of money? You're the number one ass beater in the world. They put people in a cage and they lock it and you kick the fuck out of them. You know, then everybody celebrates you and you go party. Like, that, how do you stay grounded? That's goddamn impossible, man. That, that is a recipe for a dude with testosterone pulsing through his body to fuck up, right? I mean, it's no wonder. Henry Cejudo, man. He's, he's got all that. He's a strange cat when you see all his posts or whatever he says. But he's <laughs> an Olympic He holds two belts. You know, he beat, he beat TJ and Mighty Mouse. So, actually, he does. You know, it's funny. He does stay grounded, too, because when you see him out, You'll see him with his old friends. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I he's going to get a tiger one of these days. Uh, you have to. You have to have a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> That's the move. Mike Tyson was on that game a long time ago. 
Henry Cejudo is probably going to have to get a cheetah. Tiger might be out of the weight class. Might be too big. Yeah, he just get a really big cat, yeah. <laughs> a fox. He'll get a fox. <laughs> <laughs> what do you What do you think about his matchup with Dominic Cruz? I mean, some people are kind of critical of the fact that Cruz is even getting a title shot right now. Yeah, I get Cruz the title shot. That's a great matchup. Um, it's going to be. Uh, I think uh, Cruz gives him the most trouble out of anybody he saw. What do you think Even, about the speed factor, though? I feel like the one thing that's hurt Cruz is he slowed down a little bit, and and you see this especially at the lighter weights. Um, it's so speed driven that if you just lose like a half a step, you're like the heavyweights; they're always slow, <laughs> you know. Like, but the the little guys, man, if if you you get to if you just fall a half a pace behind, like Sohudo's going to be all over your ass, and the fight's going to be over. Like, how does Dominic? How does Dominic? you know, get that back or change his timing up to where he's not, uh, you know, chasing Cejudo or in the sense of where he's always b- behind every exchange. Well, that's, that's a good point. Uh, the thing about seeing Thomas told me an interesting thing. He said, uh, 155 on down. He said, that's more of a speed thing. He says, you know, they retire a little bit early around 35. That's kind of, you hit your peak around then. And then that's it. He said one seventy and up. And as you get heavier, the later you your speed's not as a factor. But that being said, Dominic Cruz got one thing that's really going for him besides awesome footwork. That would be two things. Awesome footwork and he's got a reach. He's got a big reach and he's a better striker. Interesting. So so he might be able to use those angles and stay on the outside and frustrate uh because he's got a reach, and so who does fight? I, I guarantee the reach difference between Cruz and and uh, Mighty Mouse is huge. Oh, oh, yeah, no, I, I definitely, uh, definitely agree, agree with you on on that point. Like Mighty Mouse is, um, I, and you know, I'm not an expert, but um, Sahudo was almost like a better version. You know what I mean? Like, at least on the wrestling oh, yeah. side of it, I felt like Mighty Mouse is obviously a really great fighter, but on the wrestling side of it, Cejudo always, it's like when you're in an argument with your wife and she's always got the last word and it's always better than what your last word was. That's how Cejudo was. You know, it's like you put your exchange out and then he puts his and then he follows up with one last thing and you're like, God damn, man. Like, he's always getting the last word in these exchanges. He's just that type of a fighter. And I think his wrestling um, pedigree and experience kind of affords him that. Like the, people kind of forget, like this guy's a, a a gold medal Olympic wrestling champion. You know, like he's, he's not only the best at fighting, he's the best at wrestling. Right. Too. Like people kind of forget that. They just see Cejudo. And I think, I think sometimes the Bantamweight, those guys get written off. There's a lot of, you know, redneck dudes driving four by fours that are like, I got whooped that guy's ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they don't really give him the credit that, that he deserves. We definitely missed out on some, uh, an amazing press conference, man. Cejudo and Cruz like trash talk would have been a good uh would have been entertaining yeah that would have because cruz cruz likes to get down and mix it up right he likes to talk trash so that that would have been good and so Huda's just crazy essentially yeah, <laughs> you know? so, he's always he's he's always failing it's great <laughs> but he keeps going. <laughs> what's your what, what are your thoughts on um 
uh, Ferguson and, and Gaethy. Like, how do you how do you see this? I know we kind of joked around about how un- unlucky Ferguson is, but how do you how do you see this fight going down? He takes it in the third or the fourth because they both. Uh, it probably won't go to a decision. Now that I said it, it's going to go to a decision. <laughs> but, but you know, because they're both come forward fighters, and that's hard to keep for twenty five minutes. Yeah, yeah, really, for sure. So they're going to be stupider. One or both of them are going to be lot stupider after this fight. Yeah, and the the thing about Ferguson poses odd problems for people because he's just really unorthodox and hard to prepare for. I think he's hard. He's very hard to predict. Like some of the shit he does, you feel like he's doing things that he doesn't even practice. You know, he's like, I'm going to forward roll out of this, or I'm going to do that. Or I'm going to like throw some weird Michael Jackson breakdance kick punch. Like you're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? You know, but, but it's just enough it's just unorthodox enough that he, he it's, it's effective for him. However, Tony does have a tendency to get clipped and get eat punches and kind of get wobbly and like get bloodied up. And I don't know if I want, want Justin clipping me on the chin. Like, can Tony take that? Because you can only take those shots until you can't anymore, but you don't know when that last one is, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and so oh far <laughs> Tony's been okay. Right. He hasn't been totally like, demolish but damn man you know gates gates you can put your lights out yeah and, and he, he proved it with the world series talk about him getting signed to the ufc and then the world series starts giving a million dollars away oh right <laughs> right? right right lucky him <laughs> all right have fun dana's like yeah, you get 12 to show 12 to win <laughs> <laughs> Reebok is going to give you three dollars. You're going to get a. You're going to yeah, but you're going to get the super cool white and green Reebok kit. You get a, <laughs> it will kit you out and your team, man. <laughs> it's your whole name. <laughs> your whole name thing. You know, it's a great fight on that card. Uh, Qatar Steven Jeremy Steven Interesting. You know, I don't know. I don't know much about Qatar. Uh, what What's your uh, What's your take on this fight? I know him about Qatar before. Yeah, I'm originally from Jersey. He's a Massachusetts guy. I had a one of my training partners fought him like 2007, 2008, something like that. And his girlfriend at the time, I don't know if he's still with her or anything, Qatar's girlfriend went up to my buddy and, and she said, Calvin's going to knock you out and point it in his face. <laughs> And then we get to we end up fighting. He knocked him out in the first round. Oh, damn! That sucks, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, "You're a liar, fucking liar," <laughs> and she lies. Damn, Stevens is no joke, though, right? Stevens is a. They're both a, great strikers. Very so. difficult guy to fight, you know. Yeah, it'll be a good. That has potential to be fighting tonight. No, that, that sure does. And, and, you know, given that there's going to be so many eyes on this match, uh, the whole card, I could, I could see these guys, you know, going into it with a little extra, you know, really wanting to show up. And the last thing you want to do is be the snooze, the snooze fest fight on the card, you know, like hug your partner for three rounds. And then, you know, like nobody wants to be that fight on this card. Everybody's looking to really put on a great show. So I think it, you know, from a spectator's 
point of view, this is like one of those good things come to those who wait. We've been just kind of like, okay, we're not, we don't have any fights. Like we're jonesing for it, you know? So I think this is going to be a win-win for the fighters and, and the fans. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I guarantee all the grapplers are going to be tuning in too. And, and where's this, this is going on in uh, Florida, right? Yeah, because I think WWE broke the, the mold. They broke through that glass ceiling. Fuck yeah, I love Vince McMahon. Ah, Vince McMahon, dude, he's such a stud. <laughs> yeah, I like, think they're doing it in his place. Oh, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised at all. That's actually sure awesome. Buddies, is there no live gate then? This there's not going to be a live gate at this at this at this event. They uh, probably don't. That's probably only like peanuts to them. Yeah, interesting, dude. Very interesting. Um, because I did see where Arkansas opened up for live events, and and I was talking to my wife, and I said, you know, kind of funny because you're like, oh yeah, Arkansas, but if you're a performer, you know, and you don't have anywhere to perform, but you can perform in Arkansas, well, you're probably going to be in Little Rock pretty soon, you know, like Arkansas is going to get some dope ass concerts coming up pretty soon. I would bet, right? <laughs> Pack that place oh, out. Yeah. <laughs> Arkansas cool too. Little Rock cool. So you know, there's cities and the people are there and they have money. Yeah, hell yeah, and and there's nothing to do. And so finally, a big show's coming to town. Like you're gonna go watch that, man. Probably that and good comedians too. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's for sure. It's it's kind of funny though. Uh, I mean, changing the topic a little bit, but watching comedians right now or watching shows without live audiences, you kind of see like where the talent is and where the talent isn't like, wow, this guy sucks without a live audience, right? Like this, it's a little bit of that going on. Uh, Same, same way I felt watching WrestleMania without a live audience. Like some of the wrestlers are like, dude, this guy's garbage, man. (laughs) Like without a crowd to like interact with and hoop up, like this guy's not that fun to watch, but other folks, you see like damn man there's some talented performers out there like they don't need a crowd they're pretty damn good without an audience yeah i've actually been doing the virtual comedy shows out here with my buddy adam hunter he always puts me on <laughs> oh nice from been- mma roasted yeah yeah i i mean i've done stand-up before it's like that's my favorite thing in the world is stand-up. Yeah. like i do it for you know a hobby so it's like I, I i'll never tell like mma jokes or anything but I, I have a good time doing it. And I'm, I'm not too bad. How, how long ago did you get into stand-up? How long have you been doing it? I just did my first open mic night. I think I was 17 or 18. Oh, wow. Nice. Bombed. And then I uh, got back into it about 23, 24. Started having a little success and on and off. And then it, it, they made me perform to get on the Ultimate Fighter. They said, do your set. Are you serious? You had to do a comedy set? Yeah, you get like five minutes. So I get, they gave me three minutes. So I just get like my best three jokes. But. Tight three minutes. Got a tight three minute set lined up. <laughs> that's, that's outstanding. What, what would you say? Uh, like, are there any similarities between a fight and a comedy show? Like, as a performer? If you bomb, you hate yourself. Oh. You lose hate yourself that's right. so because if you care about something uh it doesn't matter you want to do good at it i mean are you more setting aside like the physical pain because obviously 
losing a fight hurts physically, but like, just, let's just talk about like the mental side of it. Does it hurt worse to bomb or does it hurt worse to like lose a, lose a fight? Well, lose a fight because there's no record of how many times you bomb. <laughs> That's what they need, Tom. That's brilliant. We need to see <laughs> comedians' records, dude. I need to know. This guy's 42 and 3, or is he 15 and 16? Because if he's 15 and 16, I don't know if I'm going to watch his ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe he's just ready to serve the corner. That would be awesome, man. You're, I'm an undefeated comedian. I'm 34 and 0. <laughs> I mean, what do you consider a, a well, yeah, couple of splits? <laughs> what do you consider a bomb when you're doing a show? Like, how, how, why do you judge yourself? Like, oh man, I bombed. And then at what point during the set do you start thinking, like, I think I'm bombing? <laughs> like, how did, when does that come into mind? You pretty much know. You got to. You got to hit them hard fast. You got to get them sucked in right away. Um, you could usually tell within the first few, first minute if you're bombing or not. And that it's that bombing is like nobody's laughing. It's just like you're saying your joke, you're, and then just no reaction. <laughs> it's not, uh, not, they're just not having it. Uh. No, they're not having it. And once you lost them, it's, once they're against you, it's hard to get them back. Have you ever had an experience where the bomb like turned? You know what I mean? And like, they got back on your side? No. Nope. <laughs> so what do you do? You just go with it when you're bombing. You're like, fuck yeah, I'm going to lay it on now. Like, so I got just off, just kind of power through the rest of the material and hope you don't fuck it up. It's, it's like, is it, is it the equivalent to when you're in a fight and you know you're losing and you're like, okay, I just don't want to get tapped now. Like, I'm just going to finish the match. I'm not going to get tapped. It'd be like you're in a fight and you can feel your timing off because timing's everything with fighting and time. Yeah. Oh God. That's a terrible feeling too. That's a terrible feeling when you're like, dude, none of my shit is on, dude. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Definitely hurts. It definitely sucks more in a fight. That may hurt you a lot more. Yeah. I mean the, the, the ramifications, the consequences for losing a fight are much higher than for losing a, uh, you know, a comedy show. Like, I guess if you lose a comedy show, right? <laughs> for bombing in a you comedy show. Yourself. You yeah. just hate yourself for a night. You get over that. So what What? What do you think, you know, is the the future for, for all of this stuff? Like, you know, are we going to see, you think we're going to start seeing more consistent MMA events or do you feel like, you know, it might be a little touch and go? Like, kind of how do you perceive things um, moving forward. Uh, you know what? I, I think everything's going to get back to normal. Um, and we're going to find something else to blow out of proportion. We always do. Y yeah. I mean, you know, humans, we need something. It's, it just, I guess, you know, I feel like nobody saw this coming, at least not at this le level. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like if you would have told me, uh, six months ago, like, Hey Tim, you're going to have to close your jujitsu Academy down because some 
dude is going to be in a wet market in China or not. We don't know because there's also a super high level top secret laboratory in the same fucking city right? <laughs> that this virus is going to come out and it may be from a bat or it may be from a lab. We don't know. Right. And it's going to force you to close your gym down in Stockton, fucking California. Are you kidding me? I would have laughed in your face. That is some bullshit. We had 79 cases down here. Nobody died in a city of over a hundred thousand. It's a, it's, I, I, I think we, I think we had it earlier cause we all got visibly sick in December. Oh man. Okay. Thank you. Like I, and I even made this statement in my gym. There were so many sick people in December. I said, I think the government is getting us all sick, man. This doesn't make, it's just joking around. Like I think the government's getting us all sick. Cause we were out like everybody was sick and I mean, sick, sick people were like, it's the sickest I've ever been in my life. And that level yeah. of sick, you know, fuck. And I have been sick since, so I, I like turned into a superhuman. Me though. too. Yes. I know exactly what you're saying. I'm healthy as fuck now. <laughs> That's insane, man. No, I, I specifically remember because over the uh, over the winter kind of holiday between Christmas and New Year's, we went down to Southern California and I had all this training planned out. Like, I'm going to train it with, with Gio Martinez and I'm going to go to Boogie's Academy and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And blah, 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 blah. I got sick the first day and I was sick the whole time I was on vacation, dude, like sick, not doing anything sick. You know, it was like, damn, man, something was definitely going around. Are you guys uh, locked down where you're at? Are you guys in quarantine or you're not like, what's the, what's kind of the standard there? Well, we actually, everybody's just defiant, um, opening up. Uh, we, uh, we opened our gym only, uh, Dan said this week, we got to do something called no contact jujitsu. Like if jujitsu wasn't gay enough already, <laughs> no contact. It's like, oh, you get no you need tai chi. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're doing it wrong. Wow, wow, yeah, it's trippy, man. I mean, uh, it's kind of the same out here, although, and I would say in California, there's a greater group of people that are politically motivated for this to be bad. Like they want it to be bad because they feel like that's going to help their political cause, which I think is like the lowest level of human, in my opinion, like the kind of, and I don't mean that from a political standpoint at all. I don't give a shit. Like, let's just take politics out of it for you to want something to be bad that will fuck people's lives up, like could, could kill people, the virus itself, or could ruin people, lose their homes, their jobs, can't feed their families. Just so your guy could win some bullshit political thing is it's, it's insane to me. And for in my opinion, those are the worst kinds of people in the world. Like I, I hate people like that. That's ridiculous but unfortunately there's a lot of those folks running around in california lots of them i think we're gonna see a shift in california cause today i really do i think we're gonna see a shift i think uh because uh uh these political leaders are abusing their power yeah and and we're not we don't have the same numbers as new york or new jersey so no. they don't like so they could abuse their power over there and, and kind of get away with it, but they're getting pissed off over here. Here, everybody's pissed off. And, yeah. and, and there's no way Newsom's going to get reelected. 
let's be cheap. Yeah. 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 I, I know what you mean. Californians are weird. Like it's a weird group of people. California, I think has a lot of silent folks that don't really get too involved in stuff. And most of the people that are like really loud and all the time are usually for one political party. I'm not going to mention any names, but I mean, that's just how yeah. it, it's to say, I'm just telling the fucking truth. Like if you just, most yeah. people, you don't got to be a rocket scientist to know this. Like they call they call it the left coast for a reason. You know what I mean? Like that's why they call California the left coast, but whatever, I don't care. Um, but there's a lot of folks like myself who generally don't say anything about anything and are going about our business and, you know, doing our running our business or working our jobs and feeding our family who have become very vocal and in active and motivated because, you know, this is some fucking madness in my opinion, you know, like you, you can't, you can't go to day 50 of a 14 day quarantine and expect businesses that are closed down to just keep taking it on the chin. Like you can't, that's not even realistic. And you can say like the gut reaction that I hear from people is like the government's got a lot of money. They're helping people, the SBA and the, the payroll protection. Dude, that ain't shit. Yo, I, I applied for all of it. It's nothing, man. It ain't helping. It's 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 jack diddle, dude. Like no. it's not it's not gonna save anything. So okay, I'm done with Just my put rant. It back to work. Put us back to work. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Well, a lot of gyms are just opening up. Like, you know, we had Tanner Rice on yeah. last weekend. He's just, just fucking opening up, man. And 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 the people are going to the gyms and training. They're not staying home. And that's where the answer is. You, If your community is saying, no, this is what we're going to do, fucking do it. Which is great. I mean, this is shows that uh, people are starting to stand up to the government a little bit. And, and it sucks that they could do all this bullshit uh, against you know, against our, our basic rights and, and against the Constitution. Yeah, you can't talk like that. If you talk like that now, you're like, oh, you're crazy. You're you're, you're one of those crazy guys who talks about the Constitution. <laughs> it's like, uh... <laughs> I read it. I made sure I read it before I spoke about it. I think everybody should. And I think uh, everybody who wants to talk about politics should at least read the Constitution because that's the first. That's where it starts. It's kind of the kernel that the whole the whole system is built on, yeah. and uh, to not have a a basic understanding of the main points of it, it's it's it, as a citizen like you're ignorant. Then you you know what I mean. So now you're just arguing or talking out of ignorance instead of uh, some edu- at least a slightly educated uh, opinion. You know. Yeah, I guess it's just. You gotta read that thing. <laughs> so many people have it. Yeah, no, that that's for sure, man. Well, I'm glad you're doing well, dude. I I appreciate you coming on the show, man. I I always love your your take, and I, and I gotta tell you, the last um, combat jujitsu, I was 
I had my bet was on Tom Galicio. I'm like, you watch this fucker's gonna win this goddamn thing. He is a he's a crazy fucking monster, dude. Watch. <laughs> and uh, your matches were super entertaining, man. It was fun to watch, and um, I'm I'm always a fan of yours, dude. I feel like you're a genuine dude. The first time I saw you was on the Ultimate Fighter. You know, I was like, who's this guy right here? And you just seem like uh, an honest, real dude. And we're just lacking a lot of those, man. So I really appreciate the approach that you bring to the table. It's uh, it's a real pleasure to watch you, man. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on, man. I appreciate those kind words. And hopefully we can get that map with Carlos Condit. He said he, he's down. Uh, Heather from Submission Underground, you're, you just got to okay. Uh, my guy did all the matchmaking. <laughs> Dude, I, I am going to get on the horn with heather i'm gonna put some pressure on her i'm gonna send text uh send a text to chael although chael never responds to me anymore but i'm gonna do it anyway motherfucker Chael <laughs> like chael chael always gives me compliments whenever he sees me i got send it to chael <laughs> i'll send it to chael get him on for for sure we'll start a start a grassroots campaign free tom galicio he needs to work motherfucker <laughs> he only has movies from 2014 all right we gotta at least get this guy a netflix account the bare minimum <laughs> hulu something <laughs> all right brother you have a good one man thanks for joining us man hey thank you for having me all right bro care, thanks man ladies and gentlemen tom galicio thanks brother uh, i dig that dude I do. He's a real, he's a real OG. So yeah, man, crazy. Uh, what's, uh, what's good. I think I told the story of my Prius getting someone trying to steal the, the tire off the Prius. That was pretty, pretty awesome. And the crazy thing now is that I'm on high alert, like 24 seven. I'm on high alert. I am constantly looking outside every little sound I, I was already on the paranoid kind of side of the house, you know, but now I'm on like extra paranoid side of the house. So I'm literally got my window open. I'm listening. I'm paying attention. I'm arming myself. I'm ready. I'm waiting. No, I'm just, you know, just kind of like, I'm just on alert. And the other night, of course, you know, my wife and my son said they heard something in the backyard. And and here's the thing. I was a kid once. I was. I remember going like, dad, I heard something. And then my dad would have to like go outside and look. And as a kid, I would be like, whoa, my dad's so brave. He's going out in the yard and it's dark and I heard a noise out there. And now it's like, it's my turn to be dad. You know, it's like, I heard something. And it's one thing when like your kid hears it. Sometimes you can blow it off. Like you go back to sleep nobody out there shut up but when your kid and your wife come to you from separate rooms and go did you hear that what was that noise it was weird you're like ah shit man it's just not the kid like i could like bully the kid around i could tell the kid like be quiet but i don't want to look like a pussy in front of the wife like god darn it now i gotta go i gotta actually go address this mystery noise in my backyard put my gi on no so i you know got got something, not going to say what. And I went back there and you know, there was nothing back there. It was all emptied out, totally clean and clear. And I just thought, 
What if there was someone back there? Like, what, <laughs> what do you do then? You just blast them. You blast a dude in California. You're going to be in trouble, right? What do you do? I don't know. It's crazy times, though, especially in Stockton, man. Town's getting nuts, people. I'll tell you what will scare the shit out of you. Get, one of, get a ring doorbell, and then you get into that, like, my neighborhood program or whatever it's called. And people share their ring camera events from like people coming. There's so many fucking walking dead, crazy motherfuckers who are like going up to people's houses, trying to get in. This one lady stole a prayer flag off of somebody's lawn. She was on a little bike. She pedaled her little ass up there, stopped her bike, kind of circled back. She passed it and did one of those moves where she passed it. And she's like, oh, that looked like a prayer flag. And then she like she circled back. She kind of looked left, looked right, got off her little bike, had a banana seat on it. It was like, dude, you have an old lady bike. You're literally stealing on an old lady bike. And she stole a prayer flag. It was like a flag, it was like a call to prayer. She stole it. That's that's almost, that's like stealing a Bible. Like, what, what are you doing? Have you no couth? When has the world become so vulgar and crass that they would steal a prayer flag? Stealing from the Lord. How dare you? That's the Lord's flag. See, you know, what, what are you thinking? So anyway, uh, that was that was stolen, stolen, stolen. And then uh, the other thing is uh, I should get on there to show these. I don't know if people get pissed, though. It's like a private group. Um, the other thing was some motherfuckers going around stealing dudes work boots off their front porch. Just like three work boots were stolen off of different front porches in Stockton. And I don't know, is there like an aftermarket for work boots? Like I know they could be expensive. Like some work boots are really expensive. Maybe a couple hundred bones. Right. And that's, you know, people don't care because their jobs usually give them a little stipend or allowance for that kind of stuff. And this some fucking dude is like, he's stealing them. He's ganking them. He's taking work boots. He's like trying them on. I don't know if these are my size. Ugh. He's walking around and I'm in the front yard, like stamping his feet, trying to make sure they have a good fit. Like, I don't know if this is real. This is oh, this fuck. This is man-made leather. I'm not going to take this. It's like, eh, I don't know. What do you think, man? How's the soul on this? Does this look good on me? His homies are out there. They're holding up. He's got Morris Day holding up a mirror for him. How's this look, man? Jerome, get the mirror. Jerome, get the mirror. Purple Rain reference. In case you don't know what I'm talking about. Usually I go, Jerome, fetch my jujitsu boots. It's time to grapple. Uh, I can't wait to get back to grappling. And I just, I want you guys to know this, that, um, all of your favorite grappling stars never stopped training. They are all secret training. Every last one of them, Keenan Cornelius, they're all training. You know that, you know, they are these dudes, these guys are addicted to jujitsu They're They are they're they're consumed with it it's their life it's everything for one moment you think that one of those guys is not going to train and then they're going to see some little clip of gordon ryan training they're gonna train they're all training everybody's training somebody asked they said you know um what what uh what 
when do you think that, um, what do you think is going to happen when schools open back up with social distancing measures? And Stephen Kessling wrote some, did some article with Chris Moriarty, who's a, a doctor. And, you know, I, I have respect for Chris. I remember Chris Moriarty from, from back in the day in the jiu-jitsu world. And, and I like Steven too. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like I, I really enjoy the content that he puts out. And I think he puts out a lot of good things, especially when it comes to teaching jujitsu. They, they, and I know they're trying to be helpful. I don't think they're coming from a place of not trying to be helpful. I just think they're so fucking unrealistic that they don't realize how unrealistic they are. So they put out these measures, these social distancing measures. And, and there's like these phases. Well, you can come into the gym, but everyone's got to have like 36 feet of clearance. And there has to be like designated, places where you could walk and pathways like 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 you're on some kind of track you know i'm only allowed to walk straight i can't walk to the left or right i don't want to spread germs and then eventually you could have an instructor lead the class then eventually you could do this then eventually you could do that and then finally you can have a single training partner to play grab ass with and then finally 73 years from now we think It'll be okay to finally have a full grappling match with somebody. That's what it, that's just about what it feels like. And this is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All the schools are going to do that. Uh Uh-huh. Until the first school in town starts letting their students roll. And then all the other students at the other schools go, ah, dude, we're not even training. We're fucking doing Tai Chi. And those guys are getting busy. Guess what? Everybody's rolling after that point. Boom. Boom. And all the Reddit jujitsu players that just started jujitsu in 2017, you're all going to really fucking hate it. You're going to either quit or you're going to bitch and cry and go to your, I'm going to go upstairs to my mommy and tell her what's happening. Mommy, did you know Gordon Ryan's training right now? (laughs) It's really upsetting. He could kill grandma. It's so fucking dumb. It's dumb and it's stupid and no one's going to abide by it. Duh. We're already, look, people are already not abiding by it. So what what makes you think that they're going to do it? They're not. When people walk into a grocery store, see X's on the ground and stuff. They're like, this is fucking dumb. They're looking around each other like, dude, get the fuck out of here. I'm just being real. Look, you might not agree with me, but I'm just telling you reality. You might be one of the few that are all into it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, this is like beautiful time for Dungeons and Dragon dorks and self-appointed intellectuals. Every fucking junior scientist in the goddamn world is out right now extrapolating data, explaining statistics. I'm going to talk about my analysis. I've built my own graphs. Nobody fucking wants to see your graphs. We don't even want to see the CDC graphs because they're fucked up too. What makes you think you're going to build another fucking better graph? With your Google Sheets document, I've been collecting data. Get out of here, man. You're just playing fantasy world. All these all these Dungeons and Dragon nerds, all these fuckers who want to play dress up, all these people who got, they have no fucking life outside of this shit. This is like the best thing that ever happened to them. I'm a frontline worker. No, you're not. You're a bag boy. Okay, 
I appreciate that you're working, but here's the truth. If you weren't bagging groceries, somebody else could bag them fairly quickly. In fact, I could bag my own. And I don't mean that. Look, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just saying like, come on. Come on, sir. I'm going to need you to stand over there, sir. I'm going to need you to step back behind the glass, sir. I'm going to need you to go over there. It's like, dude, you're not even a mall cop. You don't even have mall cop status. You are the fucking, this is what you are. You are the boss of the conveyor belt on the grocery store line. Okay. That's what you have. You have jurisdiction over that. Okay. And I know it's weird and maybe like it doesn't satisfy your evil, you know, fantasy to be Skeletor and be the boss of the world, but this is where it is. This is what it is. And nobody wants to fucking listen to you. Okay. Nobody wants to listen to anybody, not even the authorities, because the authorities can't get their shit together either. So people are going to do what they want. They're already doing it. They've already done it. Oh, wake up. Wake up. So what does that mean? It means, look, it means that if if COVID-19 was running rampant in the community, then a lot of people would voluntarily, and we all did in the beginning. You know what we did? We went the fuck inside and we stayed inside. That's what we did. That's what you asked us to do. And that's what we did. We went inside and we stayed inside and you told us it's going to get fucking bad and it's going to get fucking scary. And there's going to be a lot of fucking dead bodies, right? There's going to be so many dead people. We're not going to have a place to put them. We need ventilators and masks and medical equipment and holy shit. This is the fucking bat flu apocalypse. And so we're like, God damn, this sounds crazy, but everyone's doing it. Look at Italy. That's what everybody said. So we all hightailed it inside and we've been inside. And we're sitting around inside. And then finally, someone's like, dude, I, fuck, man. I need some. I'm out of milk. Like, I'm going to go to the grocery store. Oh, shit. And you go to the grocery store. Everyone's all like freaked out. You okay? You okay? Yeah, man. Courteous. Blah, blah, blah. Then after a while, it's like everyone's going to the grocery store. Everyone's going to Lowe's. Everyone's going to Target. Everyone's going wherever the fuck they want that's open because that's all. They, they're just going to go. That's what they're going to do. They're going to go. I guarantee to you, if it was way worse, was what everyone said it was going to be, we'd all be inside gladly. I will stay home. Thank you very much. All of us would do it. But instead, it turned into, you know, let's sing Imagine on YouTube with all of our Hollywood friends and let's see if we can go viral with it. Maybe we can get some likes and make people feel good. Oh, wow. Great idea. Oh, together at home. <laughs> the fuck out of here with that nonsense. The, the best thing is that this has exposed the Hollywood no talents for what they really are. You see some of these fuckers without audiences. <laughs> Boo. If they don't have an audience on their side. Boring. Snooze fast. Crickets. Chirp, 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 chirp. Nobody wants to hear it. So I guess that's been beneficial, right? I do enjoy 
you know, some of the Netflix comedy specials and stuff. I thought, you know, I'm not a big Seinfeld fan. Like I, I like the show Seinfeld a lot. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, like Jerry Seinfeld comedian, not just not like not too big of a fan. I think Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld are like really, really funny dudes. And I, and I like comedians and cars getting coffee because it's just Jerry Seinfeld like off script and he's pretty damn funny and he's pretty damn cynical. And I really like that. Having said that his latest, um, special 23 hours to kill is really, really good. I thought it was a goddamn masterpiece. Like I felt like he was on his game. I felt like he was relevant. He was on point. He was nailing people, man, nailing them without even knowing, I'm sorry, without even realizing or knowing like he's nailing, he's killing them softly. He did a really nice job. And, uh, I would watch that again. You know, it's not Dave Chappelle. It's, it's a different style, but a master at his style. That dude, Jerry Seinfeld, 65 years old now. 65. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, I'm getting old. Like I, I didn't feel bad because he was old. I felt bad because I'm getting old. You know what I mean? Like, oh, wow. Then I remember this is like when my dad would be watching some, you know, the Academy Awards from 1982. And he's like, there's Jerry Lewis. I'm like, who's that old guy? It's like, he was only 40. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's pretty insane. It's insane. I don't want to be grumpy and crotchety and mean. Like, that's not who I'm trying to be. The world has made me this way. You guys have forced my hand. I was a nice person. I was kind. I went to church. I helped people. And now I'm fucking cantankerous, man. I want to argue. I want to fight. I want to fight. I'm like Skeletor. You guys have actually turned me into Skeletor. I hope you're happy. Okay, this is how villains are made. I hope you're happy. You see what you've done to me. Well, now you're going to learn. Because I like fighting, and I think fighting's fun. Nah, man, I don't know, man. Good on Tanner Rice. I've been in contact with him. He's doing well. Rise up, Tanner Rice, Tanner the Ginger. Nobody ever would have thought that Tanner the Ginger would be the fucking guy to save jiu-jitsu. God damn, I'm proud of him. That is so rad. This is a guy who came on the podcast, and my co-host, Ernest Mello, asked him, Dude, Tanner, I have a question for you. Yeah? Dude, are you gay? That was the question that he asked Tanner. I was like, what the fuck are you doing, man? That was really good. You got to go back and find that episode. It's way in the archives, which you can. If you have a premium subscription, you can go back and listen to like the back catalog. I think it's like, I think the latest 50 shows are free. And then behind beyond that, you got to pay a buck 99 a month to access the rest, but they're really good. And look, man, I do this shit for free. I'm not advertising all kinds of stupid shit to you all the time. Like I'm literally like doing this for free. So pony up. All right, punk asses. It's time to pay the man. I need my money. I need my biotech money. I got to get my money. I got to get mines. I need my Suge Knight cut. You need to dip into your wallets and give me a dollar ninety nine a month, motherfucker. I'm trying to strong arm you over the internet. Do it. Pretty soon I'll be pleading. Please give me a dollar ninety. I like what the televangelists do. They they take the opposite route. They basically say the Lord's gonna take them if you don't give them money. The Lord told me unless I could raise two million dollars to get another plane, I need a bigger plane so I can reach God's people. 
The plane that I'm on right now, I can't fly everywhere I want. I have to stop and get gas. You know it interrupts the blowjob that I'm getting when I got to get gas. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I need a bigger plane. I could go point A to point B, save more lives. And if you don't give me the money, God's going to take me. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. If you don't give me money, my wife's going to shut this shit down. No, I'm just kidding. She's a big supporter. Big, big fan of me going into the den once or twice a week and talking into a microphone to a non-existent audience for three to four hours a week. She loves it. She loves it. She loves that I spend money on equipment and buy things and get all frustrated trying to make them work. She loves it that people send mean messages and go, that guy said this and they said that and I'll have you know, did you know, did you know this? Did you know he talks on the computer and he says all kinds of crazy stuff? Did you know that? Do you ever listen to what your husband says? Uh, uh, uh. I don't know. I'm losing my fucking mind. I need to train. <sighs> I just, I wish like Joey Diaz would hurry up and run for president. I don't think he can. I think he's a felon. <laughs> Funnier. <laughs> Eddie Bravo, somebody, Joe Rogan, somebody run for president, not Keenan Cornelius. Have you guys seen his ads? This fucker's really milking it. I, I got to go hats off to you, Keenan. I first I was irritated at you because I'm like, you're like shaming people for not closing, which I thought was lame and hurtful to the jujitsu community and doesn't really help. But Keenan going to Keenan, you know. And then I realized, like, man, this guy's master. Then he's advertising. He's got the ad with the guy's head down. I miss jujitsu so much. I don't even know if I should be spending my money on food and supplies or should I be getting DVDs of the lapel guard, but I miss jujitsu so much. Keenan's like, that's why I've slashed passes. It was 199, but I learned from Master Lloyd's supermarketing program. If I say it was way more expensive and I only have a limited supply, even though it's digital and I could create as much as I want. Ugh. I'm going to give you a $79 discount. It's $111. Now, I know y'all got your stimulus checks. That's why I timed my advertising campaign to hit right when y'all going to get them. He's got a new one out. Same kind of stuff. You're a master. Hats off to you. I actually don't knock anybody for trying to make a buck. I knock people who try to stop people from making a buck. You know, as long as you're not being like unethical or hurting, really hurting people, like, you know. This is the game, man. This is the this is America. All right? We get it, it, there's a reason why this country's the country. Not cuz we're so special, but because some dudes got together and put some dope fucking ideas down on paper and they agreed to them and those ideas are so fucking good and they work so goddamn well that we've been super 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 blessed and the beneficiaries of all those great ideas. And now we want to go and fuck them up. Stupid, right? So I'm saying, look, man, you do you and I'll do me. How about that? That's called living let die, motherfucker. You wear your mask and I'll wear one if I feel like it. And if I don't, I won't. And I won't get in your face over it. And you stay out of mine because I'm angry. Okay, guys, I think I'm just, I've totally lost my mind on the show here. I apologize for that. Uh, just, yeah, if you don't, 
If you don't like it, I don't really care. Leave me a negative review. They're my favorite kind. All right, you guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You know, Inside BJJ is super, super, super important to me. I've been doing this show for eight years now. When I started, it was Inside BJJ podcast and uh, Open Open Mat podcast with Paul. God bless you, Paul. We lost Paul um, earlier this year, and uh, Paul was a really, really good dude. And, uh, I know we're all going to miss Paul. I'm certain, certain that we already do miss Paul, you know, and, and that was a really big loss and, uh, Raph over at MMA verbal tap garbage podcast. We we're kind of like the first three that really hit it. The fight works was before all of us. That's Caleb. He's the OG. Caleb got disenchanted in my opinion early on and realized like this is Caleb was getting out of the podcast game. Like he was winding it super, super down by the time Meta Morris was here. Like the first Meta Morris I chatted with him and he was already like wrapping this shit up. So, you know, we, we've been carrying the ball. Yeah. There's a lot of new ones. There's a lot of popular ones, a lot of shows out there, a lot of people saying shit, but you know, we were the ones carrying this shit to be honest with you. So, uh, yeah, it feels good. And it's important to me. I've been doing it for a long time and I like to talk in my den on my mic. So don't go anywhere. Keep listening. Keep training. Do your secret training or not, but you should secret train, especially if you're in an area that has very low cases. Secret train. Who cares? Nobody cares. Nobody's even paying attention. You suck at jujitsu anyway. And all you guys on Reddit, you suck even worse. So anyway, I hope you guys have a great day. I'm just playing with all you guys. This is all jokes. Don't be offended by me, Keenan. I'm just messing around. You don't even listen anyway. Reddit jujitsu guys, you're all welcome at my academy when we open back up. For real, I love jujitsu. I love all you guys, even the ones that are dumber than me and don't agree with me. And, and you're wrong, but that's okay. I still love you guys, all right? This has been the Inside BJJ Podcast. Are you oh, no, wait. There we go. I'll see you guys real soon. Give us a listen on iTunes. Give us a review. Give us a rating or not. I don't really care. It's not going to change anything, but you should. All right, I'm out.